This is the Cover to Cover podcast, informative and enlightening conversation best paired with the Cover to Cover four-year Bible reading schedule. For more information about Cover to Cover, to sign up for text or email devotions, or to simply just read the Bible along with us, go to covertocoverfc.org. Welcome to the podcast. This is episode three of Cover to Cover. And if you're following along in the plan, you'll hear this and then read Romans chapter 11 through 16, followed by a start to the book of Genesis, which we're going to cover today. My name is Andy Schultz. I am the online ministry coordinator at Faith Church. And today I am joined by Marilyn Miller, the director of adult formation at Faith Church. Marilyn, welcome back. How are you? I'm great. It's good Thanks. to have you back. You Thanks. earned a spot to come back. Wow. That's how good wow. it was last time. <laughs> you got to come back and do it all again. I'm just kidding. That was not an audition. And also joining us, uh, as always, pastoral theologian of Faith Church and pastor of Faith Speecher, Illinois location, Dr. Brian Dennert. Brian, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm excited to be here and looking forward to the conversation. You also earned a spot to come back here to the third episode. This is like those old game shows that like where you got to, if you won, you got to come back the next day and the right. next day. Right. So you're both like, you're really, you know, you're, you're, you're going winning. for some big prizes. We're going for being Ken Jennings on Jeopardy. Yeah, right? Right. That's I the, guess you're right. There are still game shows that do <laughs> yeah. that. Jeopardy right. is, is the prime right. example. That's really good. Well, last time around, we spent a good portion of our time talking about epistles and specifically the context surrounding Paul's letter to the Romans. If you want a bit more general background for that letter, check out episode two. If you're following along in the plan, you've got the final few chapters of Romans coming up. So let's talk about some of those passages that stand out to you. I'd like to start with Romans chapter 11. And here we have a framing of what the grouping of God's elect people will be composed of. It's important because it helps us understand our place as Gentile believers, perhaps, in the greater story of Scripture. And so uh, that comes to us from Paul's uh letter in chapter 11 of Romans, but we get the imagery of being grafted in. And that's a really important thing uh, is to be grafted in. So let's talk about what that's all about, because Paul's goal here is that we understand how we got to this place, Marilyn. Well, I was really taken by the verse in chapter 11, verse 14. Paul's goal for the Gentiles, one of his goals was for them to accept Jesus but one reason was to make my fellow Jews jealous. Hmm. What do you think that means? Well, shouldn't my life with Jesus make people who don't have Jesus, make them jealous to hmm. have what I have? Yeah. And that's what Paul was wanting for his, for his family. Yeah. He wanted them to see what God, what God does in a life when you have Jesus as part of you. So. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And yet, no matter the background, realize how you got there, that it was God that brought you into that place. Right. It says in Romans 11, uh, verse 17, now if some of the branches were broken off and you, though a wild olive branch, were grafted in among them and have come to share in the rich root of the cultivated olive tree, do not boast that you are better than those branches. But if you do boast... You do not sustain the root, but the root sustains you. Right. 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 So we are in this place because God has chosen us to be here. And therefore, how does that impact us now? How does that frame our lives going forward, knowing that we did zero to actually earn a spot here? Yeah, I mean, it, it prevents any presumption, any imposition that God, I'm you're lucky to have me on your team. I, I, you know, you're oh, so boy. you're you know so so I'm so glad that you know you made the wise decision to bring you know. 
it's like, wow, it's all by grace and have that both. I think it's maybe also important for the Gentiles. And even as, as the Gentile generations will move forward to recognize that just because, you know, we're in that doesn't mean that the next generation will, that any moment we can be, you know, can have that same element of if there's disbelief that we're not part of that guy can, can take that branch out as well. So it, it sparks both a joy, but also a, a sober mindedness of saying, let's, let's keep being faithful. We can never presume and say, well, I prayed the prayer. I walked whatever it's saying. No, it's, it's about the continual faithfulness to God's God's plan. Cause he is the one who is faithful to his promises. And so now there's a, there's a big change in this letter to the Romans. As we read chapter 11, going into 12, there's a large shift. Something changes in the tone and it goes from essentially establishing why we're here to now saying, okay, now that you're here in this place and I've called you or the Lord has called us into this place, what are you going to do about it? And how are you going to gather? And Romans 12 is so impactful, so important to us as a church that we have now been spending time. If you're a member of Faith Church or, or go to Faith Church, you have been experiencing teaching exclusively in the book of Romans, specifically chapter 12 for the last few weeks. And so why is this so important to us? Well, I mean, actually, I was, I was reflecting a little bit. The, the book of Romans as a whole is similar to our the Heidelberg Catechism, which is one of our church's confessions of faith. The way that's laid out is it begins by talking about the guilt that we have before God, then the grace of how God saves us in Christ about through faith and who Jesus is and what he's done. And then it moves in the last section of the catechism, and we see in the lectures, move to, to gratitude of how do we live in light of that, not to earn God's favor, but because of what God has done for us in Christ. Our works can't save us, but we still move forward in the, the Heidelberg Catechism. We'll talk about following the Ten Commandments and, and the Lord's Prayer, but here Paul applies in a different way of saying in that context, both kind of some practical things that apply to all times and places pretty obviously. And then eventually we get to chapters 14 and 15 that probably go back to maybe some of that Jew Gentile division going on of, to think well of each other, to, to view strong and weakness and not to, to hurt each other, but to help each other. So I think it's that, it's that turn to saying, once we remember what God has done for us in Christ, we celebrate. And the way we celebrate is through faithful living through that sacrificial being living sacrifices. That is our reasonable or logical. That is the way that we respond in worship. Yeah, no, that's good. And then Marilyn specifically here uh, verses, you know, three through eight of Romans 12. I mean, there is some serious language about what it means to exist in this body. Right. And I love the concept. I love the word picture of the body of Christ explained here. While each of us has a gifting that can work in harmony with the others and the body works together. If my thumb hurts, I'm, I'm, I'm not working at capacity. And so we all have different gifts and different, different um, giftings in the body of Christ. And God can use that in harmony. We need the mouth and we need the ears and we need the toes. We need the fingers. And none of us are to be thought of to think of ourselves as more important. Yeah. I love that concept. Well, that's good, actually. And again, we're not here to preach a sermon or execute right. passage, but I just recently had been uh, had been studying and, and doing some work for an upcoming message on this portion. And, uh, you know, it says here in, in Romans 12, verse 3, instead of thinking highly of yourself, it says, think sensibly. Well, mm. the Greek word to think sensibly, the way that's translated here, it means sober, be, to be sober-minded. So like essentially, right, yeah. So like we we are so drunk on our own image that we can now be fooled into thinking we've done anything. Hmm. But yet Paul sets the record straight here. Right. Well, that's good. I appreciate it. There's so much to uh, to Romans. I hope that you've been enjoying the reading and just experiencing 
the the Lord working through that text. Uh, thank you, each of you, for your insight here on the, in the Epistle of the Romans. It's an important text and foundation to who we are in Christ. And the next place we're going to head in the cover-to-cover reading schedule, it really speaks to our foundation. It's the actual foundation. So we're going to talk about Genesis coming up next. had someone ask me why we don't start at the beginning of scripture chronologically for the cover to cover for your Bible reading. And my reply, having been coached by Brian, was basically, it would make sense to start from the beginning, but let's get into the routine of reading scripture and get to some of those building blocks to understand our foundations in Christ as disciples. Now it is time, now in the reading here, for the building block of all building blocks, which is the book of Genesis. On this podcast, before we get to a new book in the reading schedule, we take a few minutes to better understand the what and the who and the why and the where and all of those questions of that text. And when we're talking about Genesis, there is a lot going on. It's a lot more than creation, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot more that's happening here. So the word Genesis, it actually uh, means origin. It's from the, the Greek translation of the Pentateuch. And so um, what exactly is the Pentateuch? I guess as we get started, we have to understand what that's all about. Essentially, we're talking about the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, but they really go, Brian, together as a package. Yeah, I mean, let's go back to Pen, so that's, that's five, that's where you get the first five books, and all these are connected back to Moses in, in Jewish tradition of him being receiving the revelations that we see recorded in Genesis, and then Exodus through Deuteronomy will say really Moses as the, the leading character as he leads God's people into the promised land. But I think knowing that connection also does help us think through Genesis, where Genesis didn't fall out of the sky, Adam and Eve didn't write this, it's most likely written by Moses— to God's people in that time. So it's people leaving ex- leaving Egypt, as we'll see in the Exodus story, and they need to hear their beginning story. So really, Genesis is functioning to that audience, uh, as we'll talk here in a moment, I'm sure. Absolutely. Now, uh, we answer those questions, those basic questions, but you, I, I think, Brian, what you brought up, something that we'd have to frame this all with, and that is its, its original intention, which is Moses telling a story, you know, so when we get into some of the creation stuff, that's going to be a conversation about like, why is it written this way and how do we read this? And that's going to, that's going to come up. So let's start with the what, well, it's, we talked about genre, by the way, on, on this uh, podcast, we're talking about genre with each book as we go, like what exactly is stylistically is it? Well, this is historical narrative that tells the very beginnings of time, at least as we see it, as far as our creation, it tells the origins of man, it details the earliest generations uh, but it also kind of provides some theological foundation for us. It, it really speaks to there being one God, there being one God that created and that continues to live and guide and be a part of who we are. It talks about creation and fall, uh, and it also brings in the idea of covenant, which is sort of an agreement that God makes with people, uh, specifically with Noah and then ultimately with Abraham, and that covenant with Abraham is incredibly important for us. Now we talked about that a little bit you know, in our conversation about Romans. Um, so there's a lot of things that are introduced in this, but really there's kind of two sections to Genesis. There's this primeval history of everything that happens leading up to Abraham, but then there's a whole chunk after that of the patriarchs that we would call them. These are those those men and women that lead society uh, at the time, 
and they're listed by name, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then ultimately Jacob's sons, which then become the tribes of Israel, right? So uh, we, we, we see a lot of important foundational building blocks here early on, Marilyn. And I was just taken again throughout the Genesis story, beginning with Adam and Eve and, and even coming to now. God gives us freedom and really a dignity of choice. He keeps giving us as humans the chance to do the right thing over and over <laughs> And, and over. over. Because, because and we usually do the wrong thing yeah. is what right. we see in Genesis over. as well. We learn but, that we're not he, the first ones, but he, he does, does it again and again. Yeah. He doesn't tire of giving us the opportunity. Yeah. 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 Well, that's, that's really good. He doesn't tire of giving us the opportunity. That's really good. Which is, which is interesting thing if we're called to imitate God, is that same quality true of us? Mm. Are, wow. we, are we doing the same thing of letting people, like, are we one and done, or are we saying, I'm going to keep on, have this patience? And even that's what we see, and we'll see as we go through the Pentateuch how patient God is with even mm-hmm. his people yeah. um, as they grumble and complain about food, which I'm sure no parent has ever had happen in their home as well. So. Never. No, no, okay. Yeah. No, you're a little farther along, so you're right. okay. It's, it's yeah. So what you're telling me is my kids now have license to do whatever they want because they can say, well, God's people have historically messed it up over, and God's been patient, Dad. There's also, patient. You, can, you can talk about some, some plagues and other stuff that come along and, you know, fire snakes and all this, so maybe not, not go quite there. So. That's good. Easy hope, on the locust. Hope my kids yeah. didn't hear any of this. Uh, that's really good. So, Brian, you, you alluded to the who a little bit earlier. We believe that this is written by Moses. So give me a little bit of the background on why that might be debated, but ultimately why maybe it just it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, so a lot of more critical scholars um, that don't necessarily believe the Bible's God's word would start to doubt and say, well, there's no way a guy like this could write this in this time. They started seeing tensions. Even they would say, well, Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 have different creation stories. And it's kind of like they're copying and pasting these things together. Uh, but I think when you start looking at those things, you say, no, it's like Genesis 1, as we'll see, you know, a little bit is, it's the big picture. Then Genesis 2 zooms in on day six. And there's these. If there's any quote-unquote contradictions they, they bring together. Um, so there's a lot of times it's this, this doubt of saying, he couldn't have done this. But Jesus talks about Moses wrote these things. And so he's, he's kind of saying this goes back to Moses. Um, maybe part of the biggest argument in the whole Pentateuch about, you know, could Moses write this is he, he dies in it. So does he write about his own death? And maybe, yeah, maybe he doesn't write that that section there. But I don't see any reason other than this kind of a skepticism to say, why couldn't Moses write these things? Uh, there, there's, you know, people like all, oh, you know, people in that time weren't very sophisticated. Does anyone know where the pyramids came from? Um, mm. I, I think we still don't know how they were built, to my right. knowledge. There's all this mystery there. People are smarter than maybe we think about in the ancient world. So there's no reason to say he couldn't have done this. And there's plenty of reasons to say it's it's attributed to him and it, it highlights him. Well, that's good. And, and as you go along and read Genesis, and we're going to talk about some specific sections coming up in the next segment, but... You are going to read a lot of genealogy. There's going to be just <laughs> sections that just give names upon names upon names upon names. But what you're going to find is that there's usually, we, we love the number seven in scripture, Brian. Mm-hmm. You talked about some significance of numbers on episode one of our podcast. Uh, we love the number seven, and you're going to find breaks of seven generations between major players. I'll just use that term um, as well as I can. Major players, right? From Adam and Eve, and then their children, right? Cain and Abel and Seth. But then there's seven generations that get us to Noah, you know, and then there's going to be seven more generations that ultimately are going to get us eventually to Abraham. Uh, and so you're, there's significance to all of it. It's going to be 
really tedious on some days when you read the whole chapter was just listing names. But why is that important? Why does it matter? Yeah, I think there's there's two things I can think think through on the top of my head. Is, you know, one is just a reminder that every name matters. I mean, your your name, you know, our names might sound boring to other people, but it's like it shows these people were people. Mm-hmm. They mattered, but then then shows that that continual line of of faithfulness from one generation to the next, and that God's plan is is moving forward, and this this linkage there. And so, um, and I'd say too is you know in the ancient world that we're not used to reading stuff like that. In the ancient world, there's a higher view on on tradition on ancestors on where you've come from so there has a more significance in that time and culture than we probably realize as well yeah if i sat down for coffee with someone and they led off by telling me their father's name and their grandfather's name and their great-grandfather's name and their backstories i would be lost right we yeah we don't have that sense of it doesn't matter because honestly i mean even in today's society now we so much value ourselves and that the old is now gone and dead and insignificant you know, I mean, even think about the image of like the church that has the the cemetery next to it and how mm. maybe there was even a belief even in the last couple hundred years that as you worshiped, you worshiped with previous generations that have passed. But we don't have that any longer. But that's the context that you're dealing with here in Genesis, that sort of, um, you know, admiration or looking back and realizing that there's wisdom in the past. So as we go ahead here uh, in this, we have to also ask ourselves, why? Why does all of this matter? We've kind of touched on some of it, but really there's a greater story of scripture for the whole Bible. And you're seeing now the introduction to that. There's so many themes that are going to come up here. We're going to talk about Abraham as we get into breaking down some of these uh, sections. But again, when we spoke on Romans, we use the name Abraham, which in the Bible, depending on what kind you're, you're looking at, might be 1,500 pages after he's listed in Genesis 12. So these things are going to matter going forward, but the number one thing that's going to matter going forward happens right away, and that's the story of Adam and Eve and what one major event. It's the fall, right? Obedient, but then falling into sin and how that now is a curse for generation to generation to generation to generation so that even today we look back and say, why is there sin in the world? Because of what? Because of this one event. So these are very foundational things. And just to jump in, we just came from Romans. Romans chapter 5 talks about Adam and sin, and then has Jesus, his, the, what, the one work of the, the action of Adam is undone by the actions of the, the new Adam, the mm-hmm. new Jesus. So you see the foundation there of yet yeah, sets everything up as paving the way for Jesus that we see him undoing. We get to read the story knowing there is a happy ending knowing the hero has come right now, having read those things and then bring it back to Genesis. Now we're not going to spend a lot of time on this podcast. In fact, we're going to just kind of breeze over this very quickly, but we have to at least mention that there are some things that surround the book of Genesis that as you read, you're going to scratch your head and, and maybe wonder how this can be because there are some things that we even today, scholars and historians debate specifically creation right away. Again, two chapters, some things about that that, um, you know, you might look at that and say, well, this is it, and this has to be it, and everything I hear in science, that has to be wrong, God's version of it. And and again, we always have to ask ourselves the question, sort of, what was Noah trying to, or not, sorry, not Noah, um, Moses, excuse me, trying to accomplish in writing this and telling this story to give glory to the Lord, you know, and maybe the way that that was done at the time of the writing doesn't feel like a scientific textbook today. So there's all these scholarly debates that could be had about maybe the length of creation, for example, right? 
did God do these things in 24 hour days as it's listed? You know, those are, those are some things that you could, you could listen to many podcasts that debate these things. We're not going to debate them here, but these are things that you have to think about, uh, you know, as you're reading, right. Or the, you know, literally is that, are we literally created exactly the way that scripture says? Those are another things, you know, there's questions about the flood. You're going to read about a great flood, uh, with the story of Noah uh, as we go along. But, Really, uh, Marilyn, we just have to ask ourselves the simple questions, right? There's just a there's something profound that we take away from this, right? You know, there's lots of great stories in this book, and we think about Joseph and the story that of his life that you're going to read, and the book ends with something that impacts us even today. When Joseph says, "When we don't see God's purpose in situations," Joseph said it. You planned evil against me, but God planned it for good. Mm. Can yeah. it, that that impacts so much today? Yeah, yeah. And you're gonna read a lot, right? A lot of crazy stuff in Genesis. <laughs> yeah. right. A lot of crazy right. stuff. But yeah, at the end of it, you're right. That is right. how it all wraps up. And so, thanks for bringing that. Well, that's a bit of the background of the Book of Genesis. We could honestly do a whole podcast series just on the mm-hmm. scholarly topics here. Trust me. Uh, but for the purposes of this podcast, let's get into now some of the some of the nitty gritty. Let's get to some of the scripture. During the period of reading this episode of the podcast covers, you'll get started in the book of Genesis, and these opening chapters provide a lot of fundamental texts that go a long way in understanding our greater narrative as God's people. Right away, Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And that's profound, because... He said it, and then it happened. That's the God that we're dealing with, the supernatural nature of God, and yet the imminent nature, the the things that you can touch that are tangible, right? That God, they're on full display immediately. God is the God of what is seen and is unseen. That's incredibly impactful, and it happens right away in the first three verses. Then in in chapter 2, it says, God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, for on it he rested from all his work of creation. And that... Again, he's he's already, through the writing of Moses here, establishing that there is a pattern that even God himself would take in Sabbath rest. And you're going to read about Sabbath rest in the New Testament. You know, uh, the Pharisees are going to challenge Jesus about his approach to Sabbath rest. And we're going to talk about how foundational that is for us to, to exhibit some type of rest in our lives. And right away, God is saying, I'm not above this. I'm, I'm intending this to be good for me, I'm God, and for you, my people. I was um, appreciative of the fact that early in this book, early in the Bible, chapter 1, verse 26, we see a reference to the Trinity, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When it says, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Mm. That was great for me to see that established so early. So when we think of God the Father, then we have to assume that Jesus, that the Son, was present in creation. Yeah, and you see that in the New Testament when it talks about Jesus is the the creator as well in terms of he's involved in this. So this is one of those elements when you read Genesis 1, it talks about let's make man our own image. Without reading the New Testament, it's it's a little mysterious what's going on. So even people have different ideas. Is this is he talking to the angels and kind of this plural or just plural of majesty? But then you see the mystery of yeah, there's one God, 
But the New Testament, you start to see these things, same things about God attributed to Jesus, and this this element that there is a, a, a multiple persons in God. And so this is that again that way when you read the New Testament and then you go back to the Old Testament, you start to see things that are there are implied but not developed. And so it's that reminder that Scripture develops as we. It's a, pr- a progression that as it unfolds, you learn more and more. And that's true both when you read scripture from cover to cover, but also as you read co- scripture from the cover of your life to the cover of your right. life in terms of you'll continue to see new developments, new ideas unfolding. Like it's always been there, right. but I never realized it because now God has done this and has shown himself in this way to me. Mm. Well, that's good. And and you talk about how scripture develops itself over time. You know, the first picture we get of God dealing with now sin here in Genesis 3 appears to be really harsh. You know, it's they, they messed up. We're going to talk about some of the verses here. But at the end of Genesis 3, verse 23, the Lord God sent them away from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. Now, so immediately, they're, first of all, the first ones to kind of be exiled, you know, which we is a little foreshadowing to maybe what's going to happen. But more specifically, we know that God's mercy and grace aren't fully on display in this particular moment. But as you go forward, that's kind of something you can begin to see, um, maybe develop as you go along. Well, I think actually you see his, his mercy and, and grace on in, in some multiple ways already, both the promise that God makes here in Genesis 3, that the, the um, seed of woman will crush the, half, the serpent. Mm-hmm. There's a promise there. But even when God does that, when he sends them away, he's with clothe them. Their fig leaves aren't really working for them, so there's this slang of animals that seems to provide covering. So even that's God's grace. Yeah, it doesn't. It seems harsh to push them out, but it's like no, He's giving His grace there, and He pushes them out lest they eat the tree of life and now live eternally in this state. So even in the punishment, there is grace. You see God's mercy at work, even when maybe we can put that in our own lives. When you see that the discipline that God can give us at times. It's still God's mercy at work. It's not that he's merciful sometimes in judgment. Other times his mercy can be on display that he brings all these things together. And you see that even in how he treats Adam and Eve, there's grace there, but also consequences, but that bigger promise and plan. So the sin that he's being merciful towards is established right away. And you might immediately say, well, you know, um, Eve chose to take uh, the instructions of the serpent, right? And to to eat from the garden where they were not supposed to. But ultimately, like, what is this sin really about? The sin isn't about, you know, eating this particular fruit, but rather it's more like being my own God, right? I'm choosing my own way and choosing to neglect the way of the one that created me and be deceived to believe that I am more important than what God says I am. Right. And it's, it's rebellion. It's our hearts are rebellious Um, And like Brian said, there's consequences for that. But we continually see as this rebellion ripples through the passage that God's forgiveness remains. Yeah. Now there's going to be suffering in that, right? right? And and 317, uh, the ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by means of painful labor all the days of your life. I mean, there is a consequence to this sin and that's going to, that, but we're setting the tension now. We talked about scripture being a whole story. The tension is there's going to be suffering now, but later down the road, and you're not going to see it right away here in Genesis, there's going to be redemption and restoration. And now we have set the table for the whole of the Bible, essentially. There's one big story here. Genesis 4, uh, 
gives us this. It says in verse 12, if you work the ground, it, it will never again give you its yield. You will be a restless wanderer of the earth, which really sets the table going forward for God's people now. That's foreshadowing even more so now uh, as Israel is going to wander. We're going to talk about in Exodus and even today, you know, how do we wander around this earth now uh, almost feeling like exiled from something better uh, waiting for that day to maybe be restored to the father. But we today wander. So there's so much foundational stuff here. Uh, and then, of course, we're going to get into, as you in this portion of reading, uh, you're going to also read about Noah. We're going to get to Noah and the flood narrative, as you would call it. And so uh, we read this, and, and we talked about how this how Genesis brings in the idea of covenant. It says in Genesis 6, verse 18, But I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark with your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives. And God is promising. He's making a promise to Noah specifically saying, you and your people, I'm going to protect. Bad stuff's going to happen out here, but I'm with you. And I want to let you know that I'm your God. I'm with you. And that's important because the idea of covenant is going to happen over. There's going to be covenant with Abraham. And then ultimately there's going to be a new covenant, you know, through Jesus that we hear about at the Passover meal. And so there's the idea that God is going to make promises, but he's going to do what? He's going to keep them, right? And even that that Noah story, the the other element is there's this interaction of covenant, but also this promise of new creation. So this idea in Genesis one through five, things have gotten worse and worse and worse. And you got you know brothers killing brother, and then mm -hmm. you got Lamech comes along in Genesis four, and he's like Cain. You think Cain's bad? You ain't seen nothing yet. And it's kind of talking <laughs> it up, and then all evil all the time, which always puts again the context. Man, the world's so bad. Like it was pretty bad before the flood. Yeah, and this this element that God said I'm going to destroy the whole thing and, and kind of restart, and we'll see as you read on the next section. Be like it doesn't work well it, it, once again, but there's a promise of promise, but also of new creation that God's going to redo and, and make a new start, but that new start can't happen through, ultimately through Noah. There needs to be a, a bigger start that, that happens later on. But the other element to remember when Jesus compares his his return, it's it's like the days of Noah. He, he hearkens back to this language that Jesus points back to Adam, points back to to Noah. He, he knows these stories, and he, he grounds his story in these stories as well. So that's why it's so important, not only just to know these stories for background, but also know Jesus took these stories seriously. We should as well. Well, there is a lot here to chew on, a lot. And I'm thankful to journey through this scripture with you here through the Cover to Cover reading this podcast. Our hope is that this conversation in this podcast isn't just informative for the mind, but ultimately it puts you in the best position to read God's Word, to have it land with a new depth in who you are as a disciple. So Marilyn and Brian, I'm thankful for you and for your heart and your time that you put into this uh, to put this podcast together. I hope that you'll come back and do more of this in the future. Thanks. Yeah, looking forward to it. You've been listening to the Cover to Cover podcast, a synchronous audio experience with the Cover to Cover four-year Bible reading schedule. For more information or to sign up, visit covertocoverfc.org. For questions or comments, email us at podcast at wearefaith.org. The Cover to Cover podcast is a production of Faith Church in Dyer, Indiana, a Bible-believing, outreach-oriented, multi-site community of believers committed to changing the world one relationship at a time. More at wearefaith.org. This podcast is produced and edited by Jason Boltima and Brad Polinsa. On behalf of everyone at Faith Church, we say thank you for listening to the Cover to Cover podcast.
you can get to do my uh, you know, say the time of the season be like well Romans 13 says you have to you have to pay your taxes so it's <laughs> in the middle of that that's good it's, somebody, it's not something that's wrong to not pay your taxes because you're cheating it's it's <laughs> pay your taxes